Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my fourth podcast in my series on Peter. As I started to prayerfully prepare for doing a podcast series on Peter, I really had no idea how much information I would find on him and how long it would take me to pull it all together. I've been so blessed by this study, and I hope you have too. I feel that Paul gets a lot of play in sermons and Bible studies, but at least in my experience, Peter has gotten a lot less attention, except at Easter when we reenact the Passion and we learn about Peter's denial of knowing Jesus. In this podcast series, we have followed Simon Peter from his early days as a fisherman in Capernaum. We've noted Peter's rather impulsive personality. There are so many examples of his impulsiveness, like when Jesus is washing their feet at the Last Supper, and once Peter understands the purpose, Peter tells Jesus to wash his whole body, too. Or there's the time when Peter literally jumps out of the boat and walks across the water towards Jesus. He's been noted for his quick temper and like when he pulled his sword on the Roman guard who was about to take Jesus away or when he got angry with Jesus when Jesus said he was going to die and Peter told him he couldn't die. We've discussed the beautiful exchange where Jesus changes his name from Shimon or Simon to Peter, which meant the rock. And Jesus thereby changes Peter's life mission from fisherman to feeding his flock and leading his church. Peter started to demonstrate how his nature of impulsiveness and anger has now been channeled toward building Christ's church. We see how his boldness is now being used for building Christ's kingdom. Isn't it cool how God will use all of our personality for his glory? In our last podcast, we saw Peter taking charge and heading up the selection of the new apostle to replace Judas. We read of his bold testimony on Pentecost in front of thousands, and we learned how, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter bravely spoke before the high priest and the Sanhedrin after He and John had been arrested for healing a crippled man, and he gave credit to God. We left off our last lesson with Peter and John right after they were released from prison because the religious leaders really didn't know what else to do with them since so many people had witnessed the miraculous healing of the crippled man. Well, here is what happens to Peter and John when they return to their friends. And I think what happens next honestly speaks volumes about the character of both Peter and John and how they really were living out godly lives. I'm fairly certain that if I had been arrested and held in prison for really bogus reasons, I would have been cursing my captors and definitely not setting a positive example. Most likely, I would have been whining and complaining to my friends with lots of, can you believe this? And I'm going to sue them. I'll make sure they pay if it's the last thing I do. But 
Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John, as they're telling their friends all that happened, they raise their voices in prayer to God. They ask God to help them with the problem of the religious leadership, not to remove the problem. You probably know from personal experience that God often will leave our problem in place and then help us to become stronger and more courageous to deal with the problem. This might not make us happy, but it is a way that we grow spiritually. Joshua in the Old Testament in Joshua 1.9 reminds us that God said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, here's the beautiful prayer that Peter and John said together after explaining what happened to them in jail. This is Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 31. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, unquote. Well, that's a more positive outcome than whining and complaining, isn't it? We learn from the author of Acts that Peter and the other apostles once again found themselves in jail for healing and preaching. The book of Acts tells us that through the Holy Spirit, the apostles were able to perform many miraculous signs and wonders. And so seeing this, more and more men and women became believers in Jesus, and the word then spreads to neighboring towns, and they would bring their sick so that Peter and others, through the Holy Spirit, could heal them. But this was not making the high priest and the Sanhedrin happy at all. So now what follows is such an incredible God story. This is told in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 42. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But 
During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts and, as they had been told, began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They didn't use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, and he ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theotis appeared claiming to be somebody. About 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He, too, was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, 
They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Unquote. Oh my goodness, what a story. Just as Gamaliel said, For if their purpose is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So true. Jesus said it himself. Not even the gates of hell will prevail against his church. Nothing can stop it. Gamaliel was a wise man. Have you ever thought of persecution as a blessing? Peter and the others considered their suffering a blessing because they were suffering for Christ's name. Now, many of us Christians are now coming under fire for our biblical views or maybe even our political views. Do you feel blessed by this? Do you feel counted as worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus? It's a powerful way to look at persecution, isn't it? Our story of Peter continues. Now, the early church continues to grow. And we learn from Luke's book of Acts that Peter now is starting to travel outside of Jerusalem. And so therefore, he's been exposed to lots of different kinds of people, including non-Jews. Now, remember, Peter is a devout Jew. So this is going to be a struggle for him to be in the presence of people who don't follow the 613 laws of the Old Testament. In fact, there's a great debate among the early Jesus followers about whether a follower of the way should first become a Jew in order to be a follower of Jesus. Now, what follows is a really beautiful story about how God changes Peter's heart about what it actually means to be a Jesus follower. This story is told in Acts chapter 10. It's a powerful story of how God not only showed Peter, but I think God also shows us that our preconceived notions of what a Christ follower should look like is going to be challenged. All are invited to his table. This is in Acts chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 36 and then verses 44 through 48. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So you understand this is a Roman soldier. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear and said, What is it, Lord? The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. 
He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice said, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and it called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or even visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now, we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. 
who is Lord of all. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They then asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Unquote. We know from the Old Testament that God chose the Jews to be a light to all the nations. Now, Peter's bringing back to his fellow Jews this miraculous news of non-Jews. In fact, a Roman centurion and his family who want to follow Jesus. Luke tells us in Acts that at first, Peter's fellow Jewish brothers and sisters were shocked and not sure. But then Peter convinced them that he had this vision from God and that God was making it clear that this good news of salvation was for everyone, Jew and Gentile. Such a powerful reminder that we shouldn't let any prejudice keep us from sharing the gospel with others. Want to hear another amazing story about Peter? I do. <laughs> this is told in Acts chapter 12. Now, the grandson of Herod the Great is now in power, and his name is Herod Agrippa. And he's starting to arrest some of the members of the church, really to please the Jewish religious leaders. Remember um, Peter's fishermen buddies, James and John, sometimes playfully called the Sons of Thunder? Well, sadly, Herod has had the brother James put to death by the sword. And at the same time, he has Peter arrested. So he places Peter in jail, get this, with four squads of four soldiers each. This means Herod places 16 guards in charge of Peter. <laughs> he doesn't want any funny business. And so what he's doing is he's intending to keep Peter in jail until after the Passover celebration. Luke tells us that Peter was arrested during that whole week-long celebration right after Passover, and Herod Agrippa is conniving, and he wants to time Peter's arrest and death perfectly. He figures that because of the Passover celebration, there's going to be more Jews in Jerusalem, and so therefore, he's going to be able to set an example with Peter's execution in front of many more Jews. Luke tells us that the church was praying diligently for Peter's safety. So this is told in Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 19. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. 
and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening because he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. They went through it, and when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening the door. <laughs> and she exclaims, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had made a thorough search and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed, unquote. Well, under Roman law, if a guard let a prisoner escape, they would be subject to the same fate the prisoner was supposed to receive. So in this case, you have 16 guards who were sentenced to death. In our Bible, we have two letters that Peter wrote to encourage the early Jewish Christians. He explains to them what the role of the church should be. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and it might sound vaguely familiar because he's reciting part of Isaiah chapter 62, verse 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Unquote. How powerful. Peter reminds us that, as the church, we are now a royal priesthood, and we can approach God directly. Remember in the Old Testament, it was only the high priest who could enter the presence of God in what was called the Holy of Holies 
And that was just one day a year on the Day of Atonement. But now, through Jesus, we're able to approach God directly, anytime, anywhere. He has truly called us out of darkness. We, as the church, Peter reminds us, are supposed to be aliens and strangers to this world. We're supposed to live lives above reproach so the world can see our good deeds and give glory to God. The early church was a really powerful force of faith and really set the bar for how we all should be acting as the church. Today, we often fall into thinking that church is all about cool music, an impressive cult of personality pastor, slick graphics, you have to have a social media app, oh, and lots and lots of programs. Of course, convenient times for service, and nowadays there better be an online option too, just so I can sit back and watch the service from my living room. Well, during the time of the early church, Peter and his apostles were all about generosity, honesty, sincerity, sharing their food and their homes, unity, and the character of their leaders. Their goal was to bring respect and reverence to God, not to themselves. They decreased so that Christ could increase. They weren't all about being popular or packing the pews. They were all about Jesus. The early church leaders were not concerned about being politically correct or people-pleasing. They were focused on God-pleasing. As we close this final podcast on Peter, let's remember that Jesus started the church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. This was in Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 through 19. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed into heaven. There's an excellent book called Simple Church by Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger. They explain the role of the church this way. The church, in other words, is unstoppable. Hell is on the defense. The movement of the church is on offense. Victory is guaranteed. The question then becomes, how much will we win by? How big of a dent in the gates of hell will we make? Honestly, that's the role of the church. Peter, Paul, almost all of the apostles, except we believe John, were martyred for making a big dent in the kingdom of darkness by spreading the gospel of the life-saving power of Jesus Christ. Let's all continue to make that big dent in the darkness. And 
when you get to heaven, you can say, Peter sent you. Have a blessed day.